0: All right, make a little noise for the band. They did so good. All right, you look tired. It's perfect. Yep, this kid's already asleep. Perfect, perfect, perfect. (laughs) All right, let's get into it. Grab your Bible, Philippians chapter four. One last little session here. While you open, I just want to ask you a question. I think you know the answer to it, but does a teenager worry? Does a high schooler or junior higher ever have anxiety? Are you ever in need of peace? Of course you are. Maybe you're, you've worried about snoozing through your alarm, so you just tossed and turned all night you've been anxious about school project, maybe you've been worried about having to talk in front of people, uh, anxious about, I don't know, your peanut allergy, or why there's so much gluten in the world. <laughs> I don't know what you're anxious about. Maybe you've been worried about some weird little wood figurine with Pastor Scott's face on it, murdering you in the night, and so you... <laughs> Just gave it away. I don't know. I don't know what you're, what you're worried about or anxious about. But if we're honest, we worry about a lot of stuff. Anxiety is something that, that can pop up almost every single day. Maybe you're worried about fitting in or feeling lonely. Or maybe even something more serious. Anxious about some issue with your family. Someone's sick or Some family strife. Anxiety and worry are on the rise, and it's way more than what we wear. It's way more than being good at a game or in a sport. Anxiety isn't only limited to our performance in school or being accepted. There's kind of something else happening, far more serious, causing your anxiety to rise, I read this article in Time magazine a while ago and I think it can help us understand some of the issues as to why there are such levels of anxiety and worry in teens today. Article's point was was this. Today's teenagers are desperate for a momentary escape from the anxiety that they're fighting constantly about grades, about the future, about relationships, about everything that teenagers today have a reputation for being a little more fragile, a little less resilient, a little more overwhelmed than their parents were when they were growing up. So anxiety and depression in junior high students and high school kids have been on the rise for the last 10 years, and it's a phenomenon that's just sort of cutting across all demographics. So it doesn't matter where you live, it doesn't matter who you are or what your family is, is like. Just a few years ago, it was reported that more than like 6 million teens have an anxiety disorder, according to this mental health institute. 6 million teens struggling with anxiousness and worry, and most experts believe that that number's more likely like 25% of reality. So it's more like 24, 25 million teenagers really struggling with anxiousness and, and worry. Uh, it's a, a boring article, but here's sort of the its argument. The reason why is that you are the post 9-11 generation. You're raised... In an era of both economic and national insecurity, you've never known a time when terrorism wasn't a thing or a time when school shootings weren't normal. And perhaps most important, you're developing into your teenage years at a time when technology and social media are just transforming society. So being a teen today is its a pretty draining full-time job. You have schoolwork and that hasn't changed, but you're worried about that more. You're worried about your family. You're worried about your future. You get hit every day with all kinds of stuff about climate change and tolerance issues and hate crimes and terrorism and every bit of news around the world. It runs the risk of feeling really personal. There's no line separating your world and the world that you perceive through your screen on your phone. So I don't know how much of that article you know, we would totally lean into and embrace all the way, but there is something going on with teenagers today. I believe there's always been worry and anxiety in teens, but there's some circumstances in our world right now that are undeniably a factor. In your anxiousness and in your worry, there seems to be more things to cause you to really struggle with it, to feel anxious more and, and worried more about life. So why is this a problem? Well, for the young teenager, especially the young teen who's a Christian, we've been arguing in the last two days that you're meant to be someone who has joy in the Lord, You're not called to a life of anxiousness and worry. Rather, you're called to have a life of joy, of peace, a life where you're daily rejoicing in the Lord, a life of stability, a life of security. Not because of you or anything that you've done, but because of your relationship with Christ, because you are in Christ. You're not meant to be dominated by worry. You're meant to have this, Invaluable permanent joy. So how does a young Christian maintain their joy in a culture like this? Well, as we return to Philippians this morning, we have a text in front of us that's really going to help. And we're reminded again, I just kind of want to put this on your mind again, that, that believers are to be those who can and should rejoice in the Lord. They're to be those that have joy in life and it's very stable and it's very permanent even in the midst of a life where we're all admitting there's a lot to be worried about there's a lot going on but the christians joy let me just kind of say it again it isn't affected by circumstances doesn't change based on the number of things that you have to worry about You have an unchanging reason for joy and it's a real joy and it's a joy that God wants to help us protect. So how does he do that? Well, we're going to see this morning, God offers us his peace in replacement to our worry. I might say it this way, worry and anxiety are going to leave you joyless. Those Two things just can't coexist. Worry and joy in the Lord. They aren't friends. They don't go together. Like the dude's room behind us and like cleanliness. Sorry, dudes. They just just don't mix. Those two things don't belong together. So to help us have the joy that we're meant to, Maybe just a big idea to help because we're tired. But instead of worrying, instead of being anxious, God wants to guard my joy with his peace. Shorter version. I, I need to let God guard my joy in him with his peace. Let's just read our, our text together. And I'm going to do my best to keep this short. But just I want to show you how we can have this incredible promise of peace. We'll start in verse 2 of Philippians chapter 4. Paul writes this, I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who've shared my struggle and the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always again. I will say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Rather than being consumed by worry, these believers are instructed of the peace that can be theirs instead. And These are the things that they need to do and possibly these are the things that they aren't doing and they're missing out on God's peace because they aren't doing what they should be. And as we learn from them, we can apply this to our lives too. Maybe these are the things that we need to do. Maybe this is why we're being robbed of joy that we're meant to have in the Lord. Maybe this is why we're so anxious. And, you know, I've worried about stuff before. I'm sure you have too. And it isn't that, it isn't that fun, is it? It's not that enjoyable of experience. So we can have lives that enjoy The peace of God instead of those moments, those hours and maybe days, maybe even weeks you've worried about something, maybe longer. So we need this. Instead of worrying and being anxious, God can guard my life with his peace. And this is how to do it. Before we get to that incredible promise in verse 7, Paul gives sort of three principles, three exhortations here that... We need to think about if, if our lives are void of, of peace. Here's the first one. To replace worry and anxiety with God's peace, number one, we need to restore broken relationships. Not what you're expecting, huh? He, he writes this, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Paul mentions these two ladies by name here. If you've ever been maybe mad at the name your parents gave you, it could be much worse. So he's, he's mentioning these two ladies by name, and he's using really strong terms, like the strongest terms that he can to get their attention. It's a serious request. It's like the way your mom or dad gives you sort of that final, hey, it's time for bed. And you know, like, I need to listen to this. Like, I need to get off the couch and go to bed now. I can, I can hear it in their voice. Like, this is the last one. That's what Paul's doing here. It's like, do this right now kind of request. Paul says, please, ladies, you need to restore this broken relationship. You need to agree in the Lord, recognize the similarities you have as Christians. You're both children of God. You're both saved by Christ. They've both worked with Paul, and they're also like key women in the church, Great examples, seriously influential, very likely they had not only led many to the Lord, but had been a part of the discipleship of many people in this church as well. These are godly ladies. Something's come between them. And that's kind of a good reminder for us that this can happen to anyone. No one is immune from from a relationship getting into trouble. None of us immune from issues that can divide us. And this division, it's keeping them from joy. Maybe it's something small, like a few comments. We don't really know. Perhaps it's something really big. Either way, something has come between these two ladies, and that friendship is now in really bad shape. And it happens. It's happened to me, and... I bet some of you have experienced that same sort of like trouble and and divisiveness as well. And it hurts and it's unexpected, but it happens. And Paul knows that it happens, but he isn't just going to let it go. There needs to be forgiveness. There needs to be restoration. And notice even what Paul's saying in verse three. He knows that these two ladies, godly ladies, these two need some help. Figuring this thing out, so he calls the whole church to get involved. Not just, not just uh, Timothy, but Clement and everybody in this little church, help them. All of you need to jump in here, work together to help these two ladies sort of bury the the hatchet. And you know, this first part does seem like a like a personal exhortation, a personal word from Paul to these two. But it's a great principle for all of us. How can we ever be worry-free if we have broken relationships all over the place? Any joy that we have is only gonna be momentary if there are people that we're like trying to avoid. It's a joy that's now limited by factors. It's a joy that's going to be circumstantial again. It depends on who's around. I can be happy and and joyful, but if I see that person, I'm out. I don't want to be around her. I don't want to see him. I'm, I'm done. We need to restore broken relationships. We can't let disagreements get to the point where we can't say you know what i'm so sorry that was dumb please forgive me we have to try hard and not let it get so bad that it gets to this level and when you see this happening with your friends we can learn from even paul's encouragement jump in say something you know help this thing get restored don't let broken relationships stay that way and maybe just a side note, look at how this, you know, broken relationship with these two ladies was affecting everybody else around them. Their fight was stealing the joy of everyone else too. So these relationships matter. We can't let it get this way. If we truly want peace in our lives and the joy that we're supposed to have, we have to work hard at unity with one another. If we're going to be free from it, from that anxiety and worry, and truly have lives filled with the peace of God, we have to restore broken relationships. And let me give you number two. Uh, it's it's we also have to. I'll just say it this way: be kind. Verses four and five, Paul says again, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. There's the reminder by Paul. This is what all this is about since we began in chapter three up until this point. Have joy in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord. And if you want that, pay attention here. He says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Christians are to be joyful. We're to have joy. This joy in the Lord, it affects our relationships with one another. We can't let broken relationships stay that way. And our other relationships, we maintain those by treating everyone with kindness, by reasonableness. That's the word that Paul uses. So these first two are very connected. Verse 5, we're to let our reasonableness be known. What does that mean? Well, it's... It's just a word that means be kind, courteous, gentle, yielding. That's what Paul's trying to say, not insisting on your own way or insisting on something that you feel like you deserve, be considerate to others, be kind to others. It's really just one word to describe the attitude that Paul was asking for in chapter two, verse three and four. He says, there do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, What does that look like? It's being kind. It's looking out for others' interests. It's putting others above yourself. If we're going to have God's peace in our life, we need to live this way. Why are we to be reasonable? What reason or motivation does Paul give? He says, because the Lord is at hand. It means the Lord is near. And I do think it's true that as, you know, as God, he sees everything and there's nothing hidden from God. He knows everything that's happening. He's close. He's near all the time. But I believe Paul's pushing this a little further too. he's saying that his return is close. Time when Jesus will come back is is near. It could be at any moment. And that's motivating to Paul. We've been talking about that over the last few sessions. He's so anticipating that moment when he'll finally get to see Jesus face to face. He can't wait for it. That's just to be encouraging to us as we think about how to treat one another. Jesus could come back today and I don't want to be fighting with somebody. I don't want to be being rude or mean to somebody. I want to be found by Christ living the way he's called me to live, being kind, being considerate to others. Let me flip this for a second and just maybe start to put it in the negative. If you want a life of anxiety and worry, keep putting yourself first. If you want to lose out on the joy that you're meant to have as a believer, be inconsiderate be rude be mean be selfish avoid other people look out for number 1 only it's a great way to do it if you'll do that i promise your life will be consumed by worry if you want guard or if you want god sorry to guard your life with his peace paul says be kind Be reasonable with others and do it because our Lord could return at any moment. Instead of worrying, instead of being anxious, you can experience peace from God and this is how to do it. Restore those broken friendships and relationships. Be kind and number three, pray about everything. I have a good friend who's often told me don't worry about anything rather pray about everything maybe you've heard that too but that's exactly what Paul's saying here no matter what that thing looks like no matter what it seems like you do not need to worry instead you need to pray and listen Paul's not saying that because he doesn't think they have anything to really worry about not at all. He knows that their life is bad. I wish we had more time to go over the details of what these believers in Philippi were, were, were facing, but it dominates a lot of this letter. That's why he's encouraging them to sort of deal with the persecution they're facing, to work on unity, why they need to have joy in Christ to be on guard against all the false teaching in their community. There's so much going on in this little church. Real problems, real stuff, real things to worry about. And Paul still says, don't worry, just pray. I mean, how can he say that? Don't worry, really, with all these circumstances. And you may think that exact same question. Like, what about, you You know, your life? Don't worry? Really? With all the things that I have going on? Don't worry with this this sickness that I have to deal with and and face. None of my other friends have that, but I'm I'm dealing with this. Don't worry, really, with what I am waiting for at home when I get off the bus. Don't worry about all that stuff. Yeah, don't worry. Paul's instruction to the Philippians Guys, it's just as true for them as it is for us today. Don't worry, not because your circumstances aren't tough, but don't worry, listen, because of who it is that's in control. That's why we don't need to worry. The Bible tells us over and over and over, God is in control. And he loves you and he cares for you and he has told you, not worry and pray instead Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 because of Jesus our high priest the author of that book writes therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that's God's throne so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need worrying is it's such a tricky thing and we do it and we worry about stuff, honestly, because we don't like to admit that we're not in control. We get anxious, we worry, we stress because we want to be in control so bad. And we think that that worry, that anxiousness might help. And we can fix this thing on our own. And I have a, I have a lot of, of stories of, of moments where I've been worried where i've been you know anxious about what's going on i think of one and it's it's not to jinx your bus ride home but a summer camp we'd had a great four days in the mountains everything was going great the buses showed up on time for once it was awesome everybody's loaded and and i get out in front of the buses just to get home and back to the church to help with the unloading process and As the buses are making their way down the mountain, one of the buses just happens to kind of get stuck as it rounds a turn. And it's a bad stuck. So bad that they have to call like a huge wrecker tow truck to get this bus out. And it's a huge delay. The thing's like four hours away. And I'm already down the mountain, back to church, and the phone calls start. Somehow parents had found out that the buses were delayed but of course the story is drastically worse that all the buses are on fire rolling down the mountain and everybody's worried about their precious baby you know is everyone okay and and <laughs> please stop please stop telling other parents the buses are on fire everything's fine we just got a little bit of a delay but for hours and hours i was so worried because i wasn't there and i couldn't get back up cuz the, the buses were actually causing you know, the traffic to not, you couldn't get by them. So for hours, I'm just a mess. I was no fun to be around. I I made everyone around me's life just miserable because I'm so worried and so anxious. And you know what I got for all that worry? You know what I gained from all those hours of being anxious? Not one thing. I didn't gain one thing. Only made it so much worse for myself when things are a mess and it's going to happen. God's word tells us to pray. Pray because there is one who is intimately aware of that situation, who knows so much more than you do, who knows what needs to happen. You hear what that verse said in Hebrews? Why pray? so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I wouldn't find out for a couple days, but interesting, those buses were delayed and we had a student at camp who turns out needed some medicine for a condition that he had. He didn't have it with him, but it was at camp. And if we'd have been on those buses, he would have been in real, real trouble. So interesting to see how God orchestrated all that, potentially save a young kid's life. God knows precisely what is good. He's wise and he loves me and he's undoubtedly in control and he wants you to cast all your worry, all your anxiety upon him. 1 Peter 5 verse 6 says, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. These three exhortations by Paul, they, they get us to where he's so eager to go. If we restore our broken relationships, if we're kind, and if we pray more rather than trying to fight for control, here's the result. Verse seven, this unexplainable peace from God will come into your life. And what does it do? Paul says it will guard your heart and it'll guard your mind. I know you know what a guard is, but it's it's such a beautiful word here. Meant to protect what you can't. Meant to keep safe what is very much in danger. What is God offering? Just that fragile, ground of the heart and mind being unexplainably safe. Something else just now, keeping watch, and this amazing security sweeps through, and it's not allowing anything else to get in to cause worry, to cause anxiety, but the truth is, even though it's unexplainable, you know Its source, you know, it's from God because there's no other explanation for it. You have all these potential reasons for worry and anxiety, and instead you spend time telling Jesus about everything, and then you feel so much better. And I've experienced that promise, and I believe some of you have too. And it's amazing when God gives you his peace that you really can't explain, but we need it. And we're gonna need it. And this is how to, to have it. And let me just take a second to remind you that this promise, this isn't wide open for everyone. This is something that's only available for those who, who truly are believers, who are Christians, who, who belong to God, who have access to his Throne because of what Christ has done for you. If that's not you, if you're not saved, this isn't for you this morning. Just to help you understand it, your your life is gonna be one of worry. It is gonna be one of anxiety. And the, the amazing hope that God's offering is, it's not for you. There's something that you must do first. You have to fix your broken relationship with God first. And there's a much greater promise, one greater than just a peace for worry and anxiety, but a, a peace with God. God tells you that if you'll call out to him for salvation, if you'll cry out for forgiveness to him, that he will save you, everyone Who does that? No matter how much sin you think you're carrying, no matter how much you feel like you don't deserve it, God wants you to know that He can cover your sin. You can be saved. You can be forgiven. You can be made right with God. And once you do, now these promises are for you. This joy that we've been talking about all weekend is for you. you are a Christian this morning, this promise of God's peace, it's so helpful. Maybe you don't feel like you've you've had a lot of stuff to deal with. You haven't really needed this, but I promise you the day's coming when you will. Life's going to keep coming at you and there's going to be so many things that are going to try to steal the joy that you're meant to have in the Lord. But God says, It's okay, let me guard your heart and let me guard your mind. Let me give you my peace. Let me fill your life with my joy. You're going to need it. And this is how to have it. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for an amazing weekend. Lord, a weekend to talk about the joy that's, Available, but only available with you. Father, I pray for this amazing group of of teenagers. Father, above all, I ask that you would give salvation where it's needed. Help those who do not know you to be bold enough to call upon your name today, to call out for salvation and forgiveness and for joy. Father, so encouraged also by this group of leaders who've given up their weekend to be here to lead this group towards, towards you, towards your truth. Lord, I just wanna pray for safety as we travel home and I wanna pray for hearts to be tender to your word that, that this weekend would bear so much fruit and that its impact would last much longer than just the next few hours. Lord, help us to rejoice in you the rest of our days. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.